Morning, Lake City. I also want to echo Matt's uh, greeting earlier and wish all moms a happy Mother's Day. I pray that you would feel honored today, and uh, thank you for making Lake City part of your Mother's Day plans. So if you were to read through all of the texts that I've sent or received over the last month, you'd find that about 95% of them involve either Star Wars Episode Nine or Avengers Endgame. <laughs> right? For those of you who know me, that's not a surprise. Um, people who know me know what my heart is passionate about, right? People who know me know what my heart is passionate about. The last few years, for my birthday and for Christmas, my daughter Zoe has been getting me uh, geeky cufflinks. So she got me the Millennium Falcon cufflinks, the uh, Spider-Man cufflinks, Captain America cufflinks. I think my wife got me the Superman cufflinks. Uh, Zoe got me these Rebel Alliance cufflinks. Um, right, these gifts speak to and speak of one thing that my heart is passionate about, right? They speak to and speak of one thing that my heart is passionate about. Well, this weekend, we are speaking about orphan care, adoption, and foster care. As a church, we devote one weekend of teaching each year to do so. In fact, adoption, uh, orphan care, and foster care efforts are one of Lake City's core values. And the reason we devote a weekend of teaching to do so, the reason it's one of our core values, is because the Bible speaks so often about these things. And I believe the reason the Bible speaks so often about these things is because it speaks to and speaks of one of the things that God's heart is passionate about. And so this weekend, we're going to reflect on what orphan care, adoption, and foster care say about the heart of God. Now, to start, I want to quickly establish two points of context. First, it's a bit of a mouthful to repeatedly say orphan care, adoption, and foster care. And uh, I recognize that they're not synonyms. But today, I will be using the term orphan care to refer to all three. Now, I'm partially doing that to shorten a lengthy phrase, um, but I'm also doing that because while these things are not synonymous, they are intimately related. For example, there are many ways that we can care for orphans, and adoption is just one of those ways. And while children in foster care are not orphans, caring for orphans and caring for those in the foster care system both involve supporting children whose biological families are not or cannot care for them. And so I believe the parts of Scripture that apply to orphans also applies to foster children. So the second point of context is this. I'm not going to spend a lot of time establishing up front whether or not God is or the Bible is for orphans. One, because that would easily take the entirety of our time together. Two is, if you've been at Lake City for any length of time, you've already heard sermons make that case. But more importantly, three, there's no need to establish the case because it is impossible to read the Bible and not come across the many, many verses that speak to God's protection, heart, and advocacy for orphans. For example, the Bible says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, right? The purest form, the purest form of our worship to God is caring for orphans. In Isaiah chapter 1, God commands us, learn to do good. Seek justice, correct oppression, and bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's case. Cause. They're just, these are just two of the many Bible verses that make it clear that orphan care is an important aspect of the Christian faith. So this sermon assumes the common understanding that God is for orphan care. So now then, what does the Bible's focus on orphan care, adoption, and foster care tell us about the heart of God? First, it tells us that God's heart is for life. 
Christianity is a faith of life. In Genesis chapter 2, in the story of the creation of Adam, the Bible says, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Man became a living creature. Then in the book of Revelation, God declares, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirst I will give from the spring of the water of life. From Genesis to Revelation and every book in between, we get this clear picture that God is a God of life. Real life, abundant life, eternal life. That's what God has in store for his people. Life. As Christians, we ought to be unabashedly pro-life because God is on the side of life. Being pro-life is not a political position. It's a biblical worldview. And it's a worldview founded on this principle that unlike the world, God is all about life. In John chapter 10, Jesus declared the thief, that's the devil, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Here's the thief, here's the domain of the devil to kill, and here's God on the side of life. And it is this heart of God for life that leads God's commandment in Scripture to care for orphans. During biblical times, children were often abandoned because they were disabled, because they were the wrong gender, or simply because they were unwanted. These reasons speak to a cultural worldview that does not value life. And being abandoned and left as orphans at that time put them at extreme risk. Ancient cultures like the Carthaginians and the Mayans frequently used orphans and abandoned children for sacrifices to pagan gods. In biblical times, orphans either died from exposure, became slaves, or became prostitutes. That was their destiny. In many parts of the world today, orphans are still trafficked as slaves. And Scripture is so clear about the value that God places on the life of the orphan. And in the clear commands from Scripture, for God, from God to His people to care for orphans. In Psalm 68, God calls Himself the Father of the fatherless. He says, Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in His holy habitation. This speaks to the inherent value that God places on the life of the orphan. He considers them His own children, right? Because parent or no parent, orphans bear His image. By commanding His people to care for these His image bearers, God is sending the clear signal that all life matters to Him, all life, even those that do not matter and are not valued by the surrounding pagan culture. And if they matter to God, then they ought to matter to His people. Right? If we call ourselves pro-life, then we ought to be pro-orphan. Orphan care speaks to God's heart for life. Second, the Bible's focus on orphan care tells us that God's heart is for relationship, for relationships. In the very first chapter of Scripture, in Genesis chapter 1, God reveals to us three relationships. First, He reveals that by Himself, He is in relationship. Genesis 1.26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Right? Let us, our image, our likeness. We believe in the doctrine of the Trinity. That is, God is three persons in one. Father, Son, and Spirit in one. 
Even before the creation of the world, God already existed in perfect, loving relationship in His own being. In His own existence, God demonstrates perfect relationship. That's relationship number one. Then in verses 26 and 27, the Bible says, And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created them, male and female, He created them. So God introduces the second relationship, the bond between himself and his people, right? God created Adam and Eve, and then he made them stewards over his creation. Later on in Genesis, we find out that it was God's custom to walk in the evenings with Adam and Eve in the garden, right? There's this clear relationship between God and his people. And the third relationship is between man and woman. Man and woman were joint stewards over creation. They were created to be one flesh. So three relationships, God in himself, God with his people, and between man and wife. And then Adam and Eve sin. Adam and Eve sin and the consequence of their sin in the garden was the breaking of two of those three relationships, right? The relationship between God and his people, broken. The relationship between man and woman, broken. Since then, sin has corrupted every human relationship. Every broken relationship that you and I know has been corrupted and is broken is a reflection of sin's impact. Divorce, ended relation friendships, dysfunctional family relationships, and so on. Every broken relationship is a result of sin's impact. And so what the Bible's call for us towards orphan care represents is a restorative and redemptive model for human relationships. When we engage in orphan prevention efforts through organizations like Mission 127, and I'm going to speak to, about them more, a little bit more later, when we engage in orphan prevention efforts by providing financially so that families can stay together, then we're strengthening relationships. When we adopt a child and make them part of a new forever home, we're building a brand new relationship. When we engage in foster care efforts, we're building new relationships, and in some cases, helping in the effort to restore existing ones. God's call for his people towards orphan care is a signal to us that some of what was lost in Genesis 3 in the fall can then ultimately be undone. By engaging in orphan care, we model the healing, the rebuilding, and the restoration of relationship through an act of love, which mirrors Christ's act of love that ultimately restored the relationship between God and his people. Orphan care speaks to God's heart for relationships. Third, the Bible's focus on orphan care tells us that God's heart is for those in need. When we talk about God's love, we talk about His holiness, we talk about His mercy and His sovereignty. These things are all true of Him. But one of the characteristics that we do not speak often enough about is God's compassion. The Bible said, but you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, compassionate. The Bible says you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Jesus, when he walked among the people and he saw their need, the Bible says when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. God's heart is filled with compassion towards his creation. Compassion is it's more than a feeling. It's more than a feeling. It's a feeling that compels one to action. 
Compassion International defines compassion as to recognize the suffering of others and then take action to help. We feel and then we act. That's compassion. And out of God's divine compassion, it is no wonder then that the Bible is filled with hundreds of commands that direct God's people to respond in compassion to those in need. The Bible commands us to be generous to the poor. The Bible commands us to take care of the sick. The Bible commands us to defend and provide for the widow. And as we've seen in several verses already today, the Bible commands us to care for the orphan. I believe the reason God cares about those in need is similar to why God cares about relationships. Because it demonstrates a restoration toward what God has intended for us. In Eden's garden, Adam and Eve had everything they needed. And the curse of sin broke that. So everywhere that we see pain or suffering or need exist is a place where we see sin's impact. And God, being the redemptive God that He is, He wants His people to restore and redeem that which is broken. The Bible says in Psalm 82, Give justice to the weak and the fatherless and maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. The Bible says in Zechariah, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Render true judgments, show kindness and mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, or the poor. Repeatedly, Repeatedly, the Bible tells us to have compassion toward those in need. And it makes particular call for that compassion to be directed towards orphans. Orphans, Orphan care speaks to God's heart of compassion toward those in need. For life, for relationships, for those in need, and finally, the Bible's focus on orphan care tells us that God's heart is for us. God's heart is for us. Now, to be very clear, when we think about orphans and those in foster care, we ought to be thinking about them, about them, not for us, right? We ought to be focused on meeting their needs just for the sake of meeting their needs and not focus on whatever spiritual benefit we might derive from that. But as we seek to love and care for others, we will experience and come to better understand God's redemptive love of us. Throughout the Bible, God uses situations to symbolically point to the redemptive work of Christ. For example, God's call to Abraham to sacrifice his son was simply foreshadowing God's sacrifice of his own son, right? And no symbolic picture, no symbolic picture better demonstrates God's love for us, no symbolic picture better demonstrates the gospel than adoption and foster care. When we adopt or care for foster children, we're essentially making a choice to love a person that has not earned or worked for that love. It's a choice to extend grace and love for no reason other than our choice to do so. And more than just choosing to love someone, in adoption and foster care, we're bringing them into our own families. Can you see how this is a picture of the gospel? Because our understanding of the gospel is that God, out of a heart of great love in His sovereignty, chose to love us and adopt us into His family. It's the gospel. John Piper noted the gospel, it's not a picture of adoption. Adoption is a picture of the gospel. Bible tells us, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ. Orphan care reminds us of what God has done to us and for us.
Now, because adoption and foster care are representations of the gospel and representations of God's heart, it's no wonder, it's no wonder that when we step forward in faith and bring children into our own homes, then God reveals himself to us in deep and profound ways. John Schock is one of the elders of the church and my accountability partner and one of my closest friends. And over the last few years, I've had the great privilege of being able to witness his family's experience with foster care. And so I asked him to share a few words about his testimony and what that has taught him about God's love for him. John? Thanks, Tom. Hello, church. <laughs> so it wouldn't be an Orphan Care Sunday service or sermon if we didn't unpack James 1.27 a little more. So let me share that with you. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. We often interpret this verse as a call to action, to do good works, to care for those less fortunate than ourselves, and it is that, but it's also an invitation. It's an opportunity to enter into a deeper understanding of the heart of God for His people. I would paraphrase this verse that is applied in my own life as follows, real worship True, meaningful worship of God the Father can be experienced by voluntarily sacrificing to engage deeply with the brokenness experienced by the orphan and the widow, and to do so solely to answer the call of God for His glory. So I want to take some time to share some of the spiritual things that God has revealed to me about Himself, about other people, and about myself through my experience of being a foster father. So none of these are new truths. All of these are revealed in Scripture. But my experience of being a foster parent has deepened my understanding of them and allowed these core truths to really sink into the deep structures of my being. One of the first spiritual lessons I learned as a foster father is to understand the heart of God towards the fatherless. Four years ago, Sherry and I began our journey as foster parents through an organization called Olive Crest. In that time, we've had four long-term placements. Um, none of those four children will likely ever meet or know their earthly fathers, and in some cases, it's not even clear who the earthly father is. But then when they are with me, I am the only father that they have known or, or had known up to that point. When my three biological children were born, I had an instant bond with them, deep and powerful. I did not choose this connection. It, it happened naturally. With my foster children, however, I chose to enter into the relationship of fatherhood. My powerful feelings of love and care for these children are not intuitive or instantaneous. They're a result of my own conscious choice to bring them under my care. In the same way, God chooses us to be His adopted children. Ephesians 1 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, which, which He has blessed us in the Beloved. Stepping into the lives of foster children often means stepping into an inherently messy and risky situation. My heart has been broken because of the trauma my children and their families have experienced. My heart has been broken when I've had to give my children up to be placed into families whose values I do not share and which may put them at risk of further trauma. According to human wisdom, to bring these children into my life and love them as fiercely as I love my biological children is folly. It has a high risk of failure and heartbreak, and positive outcomes are sometimes hard to foresee. 
And yet, when I choose to enter into this foster care journey, I begin to understand the heart of Jesus, who, needing nothing from us and having nothing to gain from us, still enters into relationship with us and suffers for us. I begin to understand the heart of God, who, being rich in mercy and because tremendous love is part of His character, chooses to love us while we are dead in our sins and trespasses. I begin to understand how He loves us even though we have nothing to offer, and how He loves us to the point of death, even death on a cross. In choosing to love my foster children in my own broken and small way, I have acquired a new experiential understanding of what it means for God to choose to love us and what that love costs Him. One thing that you quickly come to understand as a foster parent is that human beings are capable of such cruelty and depravity that it surpasses my ability to articulate. My children's stories are their own, so I will not share them here. But trauma is, a com is common among foster children, born of experiences that we cannot imagine. Children are neglected to the point of starvation, with some taking years to overcome the need to steal and hoard food. Children are trafficked for money to feed addictions. Children have been victims of or witness to violence and abuse. I could go on here, but Tom edited out the more intense things I was going to share to spare, spare you guys some of the details. But it would be natural to judge and despise those who mistreat their children this way. But I have found that my strongest feeling towards the birth mothers of my children is one of compassion. They are often acting out of their own significant trauma. And when Scripture speaks of sin being passed down from generation to generation, it is clear that the nature of sin, absent the grace of God, is to echo through generations. If you think about it, these women that are the birth mothers of my children have no husband. And in some sense, they are widows the same way that James 1.27 talks to, young widows with no support. I am surprised by this feeling of compassion. It teaches me to understand the heart of God towards those who are perishing. Though parents have to be accountable for the mistreatment and trauma they have inflicted on their children, I deeply dis desire their redemption. I pray for them to be able to escape the law of sin and death that has them so deeply bound, and I am saddened when I hear of their continued struggles. I firmly believe that no person is beyond redemption and that God has called us to minister to these parents in dire straits, not just rescue their children from them. I greatly admire the heart of my wife in this. Despite repeated frustrations, she still engages with our ch children's birth moms, sending them photos and encouraging them toward redemption. The final spiritual truth that I want to talk, to, talk about today is one that I, that I have come to understand as part of being a foster parent is this. I cannot understand God's ultimate plans in many dimensions, but I can still have faith in that plan. This is real easy to say when God's plans and my own idea of justice and goodness line up. But in foster care, my ideas of what is good and right and the reality of what God has ordained or allowed to happen are not always lined up. Being a foster parent has been a source of deep joy in my life, but it has also brought moments of great pain where the deep structures of my faith have been challenged. Many of you joined us here in this church three years ago at the service where we thanked God for the life of our foster daughter, Uriana, who passed away in our care due to complications from her severe medical conditions. I remember the weekend after she passed, I was in service, still in shock and still grieving. In that service, we sang the song, King of My Heart. It's the one with the chorus that repeats, you are good, you are good. As I was singing that song, I understood something. I understood that faith means believing in the goodness of God despite the death of a child. I looked inside myself and I found that God had granted me such a faith, a faith that proclaims you are good even in the, faith of the, the face of the death of our foster child. 
Make no mistake, this was not my faith in the sense that somehow I cultivated it in my life. I realized that in my heart there is a faith that is a gift from God, a gift that meant that I could really believe God is good even when I do not understand death or suffering. Similarly, every time, similarly, every time a child has left our care, my heart has been broken. Some of you have been there with us as we pray over them and their future before they go out from our home. It's not an occasion for dry eyes. My children leave my care and go into situations that I do not understand why God allows, placed with a family that does not share our faith in God or with a struggling single mom. But I find deep within that same supernatural faith that says, you are good. I want to be clear, this faith that I speak of is entirely the work of God. It is not the result of my spirituality or holiness, but something He has granted to me that suffering and grief has proven real and enduring. An experience of this faith in our foster care journey has brought me joy. I can say with Paul in Romans, I rejoice in our suffering knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Oh, brothers and sisters, do you not understand what hope we have? Revelation tells us that this world with all of its suffering and grief will end and that he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. I believe this to be true with every fiber of my beings and the faith that lets me believe it has been tested in my experience as a foster dad. This faith which is from God has not failed in that test. Thank you. Thank you, brother, for sharing what the Lord has revealed to you through your experience. And thank you to John and Sherry and the family for obediently living out faith, regardless of how difficult the call it is. May it serve us as a powerful example of how God reveals His heart when we step forward in faith. So if these things are true about God's heart, and they are, then what does that mean for us as followers of Jesus Christ? Three things. First, our hearts need to become more like God's heart. The Bible says we, we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. The Bible is saying that we are called to become more and more like Jesus. That's what spiritual maturity is. It's growing in our Christ-likeness. It's having our thoughts and attitudes and attitudes and heart attune themselves to God's heart. And if God's heart is for orphan care, then so ought our hearts to be. Robert Pierce, the founder of both World Vision and Samaritan's Purse, once prayed, let my heart be broken by the things that break the heart of God. Orphans break God's heart. May it break ours as well. Second, not only should our hearts as individuals align with God's heart, but so too should the church's heart align with God's heart. How a church uses its time and resources signals what is valuable to it. From this pulpit, you frequently hear our encouragement to read your Bibles and to pray. Why? Because we believe and value prayer in the Word of God. You hear us teach on marriage and family. Why? Because we think that families and marriages are important. And this is why we teach on orphan care, because it is important to the heart of God. In his book, Adopted for Life, theologian Russell Moore shares his own faith journey and how that led him 
to adopt two Russian orphans. And Moore challenges the church to do what it is called to do, which is to be more like Jesus. Moore wrote this, when we adopt and when we encourage a culture of adoption in our churches and communities, we're picturing something that's true about our God. We, like Jesus, see what our Father is doing, and we do likewise. And what our Father is doing, it turns out, is fighting for orphans, making them sons and daughters. Lastly, we need to put our faith into action as it pertains to orphan care. You know, we can teach on this topic every year, and we can sit here in the worship center and feel convicted that God is for orphans. And if we then exit the worship center and do nothing, then children in need remain in need, and the situation still breaks God's heart. Faith without works is dead, dead. Christian musician Matthew West, he wrote a song called Do Something, whose message is a call for Christians to live out our faith. In the following video, West shares his inspiration for that song. Check it out. So I got a story from a woman named Andrea, uh, originally from Colorado, now a resident of Uganda. How she got there is a pretty crazy miracle. She went there as a student for class credit to learn how to do microfinancing and while she was there she found an orphanage where the children were being abused and neglected really badly. Over the course of those two months um, witnessing the day-to-day -day life of the kids, um, the abuse they faced, I fell in love with them. You know they became um, so much more than just you know needy kids that you would see on commercials or you know they became people and their kids and they have personalities and smiles and beautiful faces. I knew that God had a bigger plan for them and that they shouldn't be trapped in the situation of neglect and abuse. And her heart broke and she called her dad and said, I'm not coming home. Her dad said, you get on a plane right now. She said, no, if I don't do something, who will? So she stuck around, pestered the Ugandan government long enough until they shut down that orphanage and then they handed 40 children to her care. Andrea didn't know what she was doing, but she did something. And now there's an orphanage in Iganga, Uganda called Musana that houses over 120 children. And Andrea is the head of this orphanage. On September 16th, 2008, we actually got to move the first 40 kids from that other orphanage. And I remember bringing the kids to Musana and they lined up and we said go and they all ran to their name tags and jumped in their beds and like had the biggest smiles on their faces. Not one of them had ever slept in a bed before. And that night I remember going around and giving every single one of them like a kiss on the forehead and a hug and saying like you're home now, you're safe, um, I love you, God loves you. And it was the best, by far the best moment of my life and the moment where I knew that God had such big plans for these kids and that these kids were going to be the future leaders of Uganda and the future leaders of this world. One of the ways that the early church was countercultural was that early believers routinely monitored sites that were known as places to abandon unwanted children and they used to rescue them. We we are called not only to testify about God's plan for the world, we're called to carry out that plan. As the lyrics of Do Something state, so I shook my fist at heaven and said, God, why didn't you do something? 
And he said, I did. I created you. Created us for this work. The Bible says, for we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let us walk in the good work that God has prepared for us in orphan care. So where do we go from here? A few next steps. First, I will pray for orphans and those in foster care. For the believer, prayer is never a last resort. It's our first response. Pray that God would provide for and protect, for ch- with ch- protect children in need of families. Pray for the systems and processes that govern adoption and foster care to become less dysfunctional and less bureaucratic. Pray that families would be found for orphans and those in foster care. Pray that the church would step into the breach and bring these children into forever homes. Second, I will pray for the Lord's direction in my own life regarding adoption and or foster care. When we pray that the church would step into the breach, we're not speaking about a hypothetical situation. No, you and I, we're the church. Be praying that the Lord would give you discernment as to whether or not you ought to be adopting a child or whether you or not you ought to be caring for foster children. If you're interested in information about foster care, consider speaking to Olive Crest, the organization that John mentioned in his testimony. Olive Crest is a local organization whose mission is to transform the lives of at-risk children through the healing power of family. Olive Crest can provide you information and guide you through the foster care process. One of their representatives is here today and will be at one of the tables in the gathering area as you exit the worship center. Mother Teresa once said, do you want to do something beautiful for God? There is a person who needs you. This is your chance. Third, I will support adoption and foster care efforts. The Lord does not call every Christian family to adopt. He does not call every Christian family to become foster parents. But he still may call you to engage in a different way. Maybe it's engaging in orphan prevention efforts. For several years, Lake City has supported the efforts of Mission 127, a Christian organization devoted to orphan prevention, where families can provide financial support and sponsor families in need overseas. Sponsorship helps provide for families to stay together, keeping children from becoming orphans. Perhaps God is calling you to sponsor a family today. If you want more information about that, we also have representatives from Mission 127 here. They're at a table in the gathering area as you exit the worship center. Or maybe God is calling you to support the adoption efforts of a family going through the adoption process. Adoption is an expensive process. Lake City has a ministry called the Father's Heart Ministry that provides financial assistance to those seeking to adopt. If the Lord leads you to contribute a gift to that ministry, you can use the giving envelopes in the seat pocket in front of you. You can just write Father's Heart on the envelope or on your check. Finally, another opportunity to engage in orphan care would be to support our hosting of the Watoto Children's Choir later this fall. Watoto is returning to Lake City this September, and we're always in need of families to host them when they're here. If this is something that interests you, please write Watoto on your communication card, and we'll be in contact. Fourth, I will support families who have adopted children or caring for foster children. One of the things I love about Lake City is that it lives out Christian community. There are so many families here who have engaged in adoption or foster care efforts. And often these families will share their testimony of how their church family stepped up and supported them during their process and during their journey. Some ideas on how you can support families who have adopted or providing foster care. Maybe you provide them a meal. Maybe you babysit for them for an evening so they can go out on a date night. Maybe you help clean their house. Maybe you bring over coffee and donuts and you just listen while they talk, right? These are just a few examples of what living life alongside someone you love looks like. Please come alongside your brothers and sisters in Christ as they've engaged in adoption or foster care. 
At this time, the praise team is going to sing a song called Move. And as they sing, I would ask three things of you. One, that you would take the time to reflect on this message and on God's heart for orphans. Two, that, as, that you listen and that you reflect on the lyrics and the call of these lyrics to live out your faith. And then three, I would ask that you would take time to pray, even now, and seek the Lord's will in your life towards orphan care. Thank you, Pastor Mark and praise team. If you didn't catch one of those verses, one of the verses of that song go, when you move, the outcast finds a family, and when you move, the orphan finds a home. My prayer is that the Lord would move here at Lake City. Before we close, there's actually one final next step. If you're not a Christian, you're not yet a Christian, will you consider taking this last step? I will seek adoption into God's eternal family. You know, I talked about adoption today in the context of orphans, but really adoption speaks to something even greater. It speaks to the gospel. God cares for all children, not just orphans and those in foster care, but all who are not yet part of his family, who do not yet call him father. If your heart has been moved by the plight of those in need, you ought to consider your own need, and it's an eternal one. The gospel tells us that God, out of a heart of great, great love for you, he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, to secure your adoption. He wants us, he wants you to be his own child. Let my heart be broken by the things that break the heart of God. Nothing, nothing breaks God's heart more than those who will spend eternity separated from him. Oh, but nothing makes his heart happier than those who join his forever family forever and ever and ever. Let that be you today. Let's pray. Lord, Lord, we are so grateful for your deep love for us. A love and a divine compassion that compelled you to give up your own one and only son in order that you might secure our reconciliation and bring us into your forever family. Fathers, we take this weekend to consider the plight of the orphan. I ask that you would care for and protect and provide for orphans and those in foster care. I pray that you would find them families that would intercede on their behalf. I pray that even now you would be speaking to the people sitting in this worship center, in this church, Lord, and you would be directing their steps towards orphan care. Lord, I pray that if there are those here who don't know you, I pray that they would continue to feel you tugging at their heart, you speaking to them, you calling them into your own family. I pray that they would give up their lives to you even now. Lord, all we ask is that we would honor you in, in our hearts and in our actions. We pray this in the name of Christ, the compassionate one. Amen.